0: If we're just getting half of it right now, what's the whole going to be like? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You're a great sight tonight. I used to say a sight for sore eyes. I don't know what that means, but I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight, Wednesday night, and... uh, We're on a special mission this summer. Matter of fact, we're going to be on a cruise all summer long. How about that? You like that? So here's some things I want to share with you. Number one, Wednesday night can be casual night if you want to come. Just no tank tops and no shorts. You got that message? (laughs) Not that our people would do that. God forbid, but... You make an announcement casual, you never know what people are going to come in. But uh, please, enjoy Wednesday night. You were given one of these when you came in, and if you didn't get one, you need to fill it out and turn it into the coffee shop after service because this is going to be your link to a great gift. At the end of the month, we're going to do a drawing, so that means the more Wednesday nights you're here, the more chances you have of winning. And Brother Randy, I don't remember, but I think we talked about a small cruise for somebody, for some couple. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we talked about? So this is not, this is not something to sneeze at. You might want to make sure you fill this out. And not only that, be here every Wednesday night because every Wednesday night is going to give you an opportunity to uh, participate and be blessed. And uh, then at the end of the month, we're going to bless somebody. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Maybe I need to get in on that drawing. Honey, make sure you fill out your card. That's all I can say. If you're, for, for a few moments tonight, take your Bible, turn with me or whatever device you have to get it up. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 41. Read down through verse number 47. Let me just encourage you uh, to help us with VBS. If you can help with the classes, the teaching, the corralling, I know any bit would help. Uh, And if you know of any children... That are not going to be able to come because of financial constraints, please let me know. We don't want any of our kids to miss out. They're going to be raising money, but the the fee that is being charged covers a lot of things. They're going to be fed every day. They're going to get a free T-shirt, so that's pretty good for a whole week. Um, and they'll be they'll be taken good care of, and they'll be taught some wonderful things. Acts chapter two verse forty-one. Then they that gladly received his word, I love that, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42 said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, everybody say together. Yes. All that believed were together and had all things common. That means there were no big eyes and little use. Everybody stood on level ground at the cross. Aren't you thankful for that? Praise God. And they had all things common. And sold their possessions. Some of them and many of them. Maybe all of them. Sold their possessions and goods. And parted them to all men. As every man had need. And they continuing. Daily with one accord in the temple. I like the plural. They. Not one. But they, a group, the body, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Oh, that we could recapture the spirit of the apostolic church. Amen. Simplicity and gladness of heart. Amen. Amen. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. Amen. I believe God's going to do some great things over the next few weeks. God bless you. You may be seated. Clap your hands as as you're seated. Amen. Let's praise Him together again. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I want you to come and go with me. You are invited tonight to come on a cruise this summer on some of the preeminent and the greatest cruise ships that exist. The fellowship, the worship, and the stewardship. Amen. These... Ships are unique in their character, in that they can do great things in your life when you fully understand them. Amen. Tonight, and for the remaining portion of this month, we are going to embark on a vessel called Fellowship, and we are going to take a cruise on one of the greatest ships that there is. When you go on a cruise, one of the first things that you do is you see what is all on the ship. You explore and you find out where all the good eating places are. Amen. Amen. Hint, hint. We may have a little eating going on around here this month. That's part of fellowship. Amen. You don't want to miss. You don't know what Wednesday night we may be doing that. But uh you go and you explore to see what all amenities there are and all that you are going to be able to enjoy. And we're going to do the same thing in a spiritual way and we're going to go exploring the meaning of and the purpose of and the nature of the benefits of The necessity of and the expressions of this ship called fellowship. So let's get started tonight and go back to the book of Acts chapter two, verse 41. When Pentecost came, it ushered in a new era of God's work in the lives of men and women. When the power of God fell on that day, Many, many lives were transformed and they were done so by the Spirit that was poured out upon them. It was 120 initially, but that quickly morphed into 3,000. And as they went along, the Scripture said that the Lord added daily to the church. Amen. I like that daily process that God operates in. We think God only works on Sunday. Yeah. That's why we have a big crowd on Sunday because people expect God to work on Sunday, but they forget he works on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We ought to be expecting God to do great things every day of our life because he is a daily kind of God. But after this opening look at the new birth experience that we have in the first part of this second chapter of Acts, then the focus is turned and the remaining portion of the book of Acts is focused on the life of the church. They were born of the Spirit and now you see what that Spirit life Is going to look like? How did this transformation of their lives play out and what did it look like? And we find in Acts chapter 42 the activities that this new formed body of believers, as we call them, this New Testament church, we see. As they began to flourish, we also recognized that there were certain activities that were a part of their lives. And here we see four things in this 42nd verse that marked this infant church. And just to make it easy for you to remember, I'm going to use alliteration. I'm going to use a word that begins with the letter T. But the first thing that was a uh, a, a mark of this New Testament church was that they were embracing and they were devoted to truth. Everybody say truth. That was the vital part of their life. That was the precept, or those were the precepts that they embraced that transformed their lives. It was an experience that uh, they had that was a result of what they believed. And so if we are going to be a New Testament church, then we too have got to embrace and be devoted to the truth. Not a modern cultural adaptation of the Bible, but what the scripture declares. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, but they were devoted to the truth. The second thing were the ties that began to bind them together. There was first truth and now there were ties and that was seen in their fellowship. Here is the practice of what they had experienced, it was fleshing it out in a daily way. Here was a new link of love that was forged in their heart, not just for themselves, but for others. And without being told, this is the amazing thing about this particular passage of scripture. Without being told to do what they did, the natural instinct and the natural response when they were filled with the Spirit was to connect with other people that had experienced that same thing. And it became a vital force in that time. Without being told, there was a natural move to connect with others who had experienced what they had experienced. And then the third thing, we will use the word table. It was the breaking of bread. In particular, it was referencing the communion. And it was a vital part of their daily activity, this remembrance of what the Lord had done for them. But let me tell you something about communion tonight that you and I need to consider. Communion is certainly a powerful and vital part of the New Testament church. And communion is important to all of us. But it is not only about remembering what Jesus did Communion is more than just about celebrating what he did. It is celebrating what has happened in our lives because of what he did. That's part of the glory of communion. It is the reminder that he did something wonderful for us. It is a reminder of what happened. It is a reminder of what we believe and we have embraced and it is a it is a reminder of what has happened to us because of what he did. And now it is also a reminder of who we are. We are his children. We are his offspring. And this is a vital part of the New Testament church. And then the last one, I used the word throne. The Bible said, that they continued in prayer. Prayer was a vital part of the New Testament church. And hear me tonight, it must continue to be a vital part of the New Testament church. Not just your private prayers, but our corporate prayers together are vital to the power that is displayed in the midst of God's people And as a result of these things, the Bible said that fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. I would dare say that that does not apply to the modern day church. The modern day church does not cause anyone to fear. The modern day church has adapted itself to making church comfortable. It's whatever you want. It's however you like it. It's however you imagine your universe or your world. It is however you write the script. That's what church has become. But the New Testament church was a church that was committed to truth. It was committed to prayer. It was committed to fellowship. And because of that It was committed to communion and partaking not just of the Lord's Supper but of meals together that bound them even closer in their ties and their love for one another. It was because of that that great fear came upon every soul Every soul, not just those who were being filled with the Holy Ghost, but everybody they came in contact with felt something and something influenced them. You know what my heart has hungered for today? It has been for a return of that kind of awe and that kind of wonder that comes because there's still a church in this world and there's still a people that believe in the power of prayer and they believe in the power of his name and the truth that that name bears. And because of that, there is an impact. There's an influence everywhere they went. Amen. Perhaps the reason that we do not have the fear or the awe and the wonder in this hour is because too many churches have lowered the standard to make it more convenient for everybody to get in. Amen. I didn't make this up, church. I didn't decide or the committee decide in the back room, this is what the requirements are going to be. The requirements were established by the Lord Himself. He said, go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so they obeyed him. And when they were there in that upper room, the spirit began to move. And when it was poured out on them, they all began to speak with tongue. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Don't try to explain that out of the Bible. Just accept that that's what the Lord said. I believe, I want, I will see happen in my church. Amen, amen, amen. Well, they're continually, the Bible said continually, devoted. They were devoted to teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And because of that, many wonders and signs were in their midst. Now, I am of the opinion that when we as a church become more connected to these things, we're going to see the wonders and the glory and the awe of God working in our midst more and more and more. So one of the first expressions of this new life that had come to the infant church was this mutual commitment to one another. No sooner is the church born than this unity, this commonality, this oneness, this oneness begins to manifest itself in their actions and in their activities. They realize That they were not alone. They were connected to a vital body that was needed in every way. And there was this shared life. Everybody say shared life. Now by that we don't mean (laughs) that that gives you the opportunity to, to, to divulge all of the secrets of your life. Some people think that The church is a smorgasbord for them to belch out all of the bad stuff that's happened in their life. Hey, if you've come to the cross and you've had an experience in the new birth, you should have a new life. That old life should be something that you don't even talk about because of the new life that is working in you. And yet so many people have taken advantage of this sharing that we have have in the church to use it for the wrong thing. I want to tell you what the sharing ought to be. It ought to be the sharing of God's blessings. The sharing of God's mercy. the share. Let me share with you today what the Lord did today. Let me share with you what happened. That's the kind of activity that ought to go on in a church. It is the sharing of life. This common shared life is what drew them together. And everything they did was an expression Of this fellowship, the breaking of bread, the eating together, the coming together, that communal spirit that came into the New Testament church, even their possessions, they were willing to give them up, they were not asked to do that, they were not told to do that. But there was this spirit of generosity and giving and love for people that were not as benefited as they were or not as well off. And so they sold the possessions and they had all things common, which means they were all looking at each other on equal ground. Nobody was better than anybody else. You know, I I want to tell you something about the Lord. The Lord, when he looks at me, Doesn't just see my years of service. He sees that I'm still here. And the fact is there's some people that are going to come in at the 11th hour. That's going to get paid the same wages that we got. Or we're going to get because we've been here since the first hour. That's the great mercy and grace of God. I'm not angry about that. I'm just thankful that there's going to be more that's going to come in in the last hour. And I want to celebrate that. I said, I want to celebrate that. It's amazing sometimes what happens in a church when people get the attitude, all those new people coming in, they're taking over. You need to talk to the Lord about that. Maybe they're taking over because you're not doing what you ought to be doing. Ooh. Amen. I don't look at them as competition. I look at them as help. Hey. We've got more to work with now. We've got more to work on now. We've got greater opportunities now. And they had this commonality of thinking. They didn't think of themselves. They were not thinking of self. They were thinking of a body, of a church, of a family that they had found a connection in and they had found help in. You see the picture of this New Testament church that is painted for us us is of a community of people that were committed to one another. They were committed to one another. That's sometimes challenging for us. We, it's easy to be committed to some people. It's a little more challenging to be committed to other people. But it doesn't say that they had this little list going on, these are the easy ones and these are not so easy. They were committed to one another. Amen. There's something wonderful happens when we become committed to one another. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your stature is. Doesn't matter what your name or pedigree or what kind of money you have in the bank or what kind of talent you have, that when we become committed, I'm here to help you and you're here to help me. We're here to share in the blessings of God. We're not going to gorge ourselves and just satisfy ourselves. You see, that's the unfortunate thing with a lot of people. Church is always about them. It's never about others. It's never about us. It's always about them. And they wonder why their experience and their walk with God is so shallow. I'm going to tell you why. Because one is a real small world to live in. But I am made better by the multitude of God's people. I am elevated because there are more. I'm not threatened by the number. I am encouraged and challenged by the number because this is the fellowship of God's people. And our purpose is in sharing with one another. Amen. So fellowship is crucial to this New Testament church. And this was to them, to them, now I'm not talking about to this day, but to them, church was not a spectator event that happened on Sunday or Wednesday, but it was a daily participation. There was this daily desire. They were dependent on one another. Now I hate to say this, and I'm not being mean tonight. And I'm not saying this to be cruel or sarcastic, but I will tell you that over the last few years, the world in which we live in has conditioned us to learn how to live in isolation. It has conditioned us to figure out how to get along by ourselves. Why would that be such a crucial thing for this hour? Because divided they fall, united they stand, divided they fall and so there's this world view that we we can't get together We we, it's a threat when we get together it's harmful when we get together hey I've got news for you it's not harmful when we get together now if you're sick obviously you need to use a little intelligence just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean God evaporated your brain use your intelligence but the fact is we are better when we are together but the world is trying to drive us apart the world culture that we live in is trying to separate is trying to divide it's causing contention that's why there's constantly this bombardment in the media of all of this stuff to incite your emotions and get you angry and because it, it divides us more and more that's the work of the enemy to divide the work of the spirit is to unite So you can tell what's working in our world right now. It's not the spirit of the Lord. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. And we are not better when we are isolated. We are made better when we are together. And when we view each other as equals and needed. Amen. You know what? I've met some people... In my journey of living for God, that didn't feel like they needed anybody to make it. They didn't need anybody, they didn't especially need that person. And you could tell because of the way they treated them. They talk to other people, but they walk right by that person. Or rather, use I don't, we don't, we don't jive. Hey, you need to get over jiving and start being a child of God, and realize that you were born into a body, and the body cannot have a schism or it cannot function as a body. Amen. The toe doesn't say to the arm, you're useless. You're an annoyance. The toe says to the arm, hey, I'm celebrating who you are. Why? Because the arm's going to celebrate what the toe is. And the toe's going to celebrate what the knee is. And all of the other parts of the body, they're celebrating one another because of what they are and what they function as. They function as part of one body. And that's what the church is. It is one body. There's many members, Paul said. And we're all different in our members. We're, we're not all a hand. We're not all the head we're, or toe or foot or whatever. But we, whatever we are, we have to realize, I'm not alone. I'm part of a body. I'm part of something powerful that God put in the earth to turn this world in his direction. Amen. So as soon as the church was born, unity, commonality, oneness begins to work its way out in their life. And daily, everybody say daily, they, they, plural, they, the body, the church, they move together. So let's look at this word fellowship. It comes from the Greek word koinonia and It carries a very weighty definition that some people have never fully grasped. To them, fellowship is only an idea of association or connection. To them, fellowship is just being in the same room with some other people. But that's not all fellowship is. As a matter of fact, that's a minor part. As a matter of fact, I don't even know that that is actually mentioned or referred to in the word koinonia. But what is referred to is this. Koinonia is sharing. It is contributing It is sometimes partnering with someone or others and it sometimes talks about participation. That word koinonia, when it's used, there's 30 something times one of the root is used and seven or eight times the other word is used in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it is in reference to either sharing or contributing or partnering or participating in something. So if you understand what I'm trying to say, you really find out real quick that this fellowship is not about me. It's about thee. Amen. Somebody say fellowship. It comes from the root that means a sharer, a partaker, a partner. You are linking yourself together with others for a common cause. Too many have the idea that the church exists only to give them what they want. And I've heard people say, well, I didn't get much out of service tonight. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I don't remember hearing it from here, but. I've heard that before. I didn't get much out of that tonight. And I'm thinking, man, if you didn't get much out of it, maybe because you didn't put anything into it. Because fellowship is not just about what you get. It's about what you give. It's what you're willing to share and involve yourself in and participate in. And so many churches today, because of this idea that churches about me. They have sculptured their services on the basis of what people want. And so you can have your latte and you can sip on it while the preacher's preaching. And you, you can you can come and, and 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 indulge in other things. And there's nothing wrong with sipping on a latte. But don't do it while I'm preaching. That's annoying, number one. Number two, this isn't the coffee house. This is the house of God. Do it out there in the coffee shop. I just needed to say that tonight. You need to share that with somebody that may not be here. Because of this self-centeredness that our world has indulged in, we have lost the spirit of sacrifice that was a part of the early church because fellowship Involved sacrifice. It involved the giving of yourself. The expending of your energy. It was pouring into something that was giving back to you more than you were pouring into it. How many of you would be honest tonight and say I've gotten more from being in the church than I've ever been able to give to the church? That's the way it is. That's the way it always is. You can never outgive God. but the truth is, the, the mark of the New Testament church was that it was a fellowshipping church. It was a church that was giving of itself to others and to one another and working together and walking together and praying together and worshiping together and singing together because they were better when they were together. Amen. Culture and media. Oh, I don't need to get off on this, but social media and media devices have made life more of an isolated event. It has helped us create our own avatar or whatever that is. Our own little world that we live in. And you can create... Your own little world and your own image to throw out there on Facebook or social media. It's your best side. It's your beautiful side. It's your sunny side. It's it, it, it's all of the, the great things about you. And we leave the impression with people that we're somebody that we're really not. But we've learned to be, become comfortable in this world that we have created about ourselves. And that's why when church time comes and it's time for us to worship, you say, well, I don't need to come today. I don't need that service. I, that's about new converse. No, you need to be here because the body needs you to be here. And, uh, and my eye didn't tell me today, hey, I'm not. I don't feel like coming to church tonight. I'm going to stay home. My feet didn't tell me this morning, hey, I'm checking out today. I'm not working. Amen. Woo! I didn't know I was gonna get off. I know I didn't know I was gonna get off. I can't even talk right tonight. Our culture, listen to me. The culture that we live in right now is trying to annihilate the idea that we need each other. Everything that social media and all of that, the culture that we live in is trying to eliminate from our lives the feeling that I need you and you need me. Amen. And what we as a New Testament church have got to do is understand the power of our fellowship and the anointing that comes from that fellowship and the blessings of God and the miracles that are an outflow, the wonders and the signs were an outflow of the fact that they were walking together, they were praying together, they were loving everybody. You know, when I first received the Holy Ghost, I I believed that old song, makes me love everybody yeah but it wasn't long before I found out that there's some people that's kind of hard to love and so you start this little book you start this little record keeping of those that you like and those that you don't like too much and you, 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 you're always hanging out with those you like but you're never seen with those that you're not sure of. Hey, listen to me. When the true spirit of the apostolic church gets in us, we're going to love everybody. It makes me love everybody. I mean the person that even has been talking about me and criticizing me. When I really let the New Testament church get in me and the spirit of that New Testament church, I don't see anything but good out here tonight. I had people come to me sometimes and they wanted, Brother Hughes, did you know? No, I don't want to know. They act like my life is is incomplete because I don't know some of this stuff. You say, well, that's just pure ignorance, Brother Hughes. You ought to know. No, I don't need to know some of that stuff because all that does is sour my spirit and warp my thinking. When I come in here I want to look out and see people oh but you don't know what they've been saying about you. I don't care what they've been saying at least they're talking about me. What I want you to know is that whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing it doesn't make any difference the way I feel. When I come into this place, this is my family. These are my family members. This is part of my body. And I am glorying and praising God that I have a part in this body of Christ. Amen. Praise God. The culture we lived lived in has stripped away the need of community. And as a result, people don't need church anymore. Or they only need it on holidays. Or they only come when it's convenient to come. I want, I want the spirit of the New Testament church that if they announce service every night next week, oh, I'm going to test your faith now. <laughs> I want the spirit of the New Testament church that if they announce service every night next week, I would put off whatever I had planned. I would reschedule whatever I had scheduled because this is my life. This is what I belong in. This is where I thrive best. This is where the blessings of God flow. And this is what I've learned about God. If you will put off... Those things, God will make sure that you get to do them in the future and they'll be more helpful and they'll be more lovely and they'll be more beneficial and you will enjoy them more if you put him first. Oh, I'm meddling tonight. I can tell it. Fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Are you liking this ship so far? Some of you are saying, Lord, take me back to port. Well, I got news for you. We're not stopping until the end of the month. The last port of call is going to be the last Wednesday night. We're going to be out on a long cruise. (laughs) I better hurry on. I believe to a great degree for some people, church life, is falling victim to this destructive spirit of self-design. E-church, E-church, E-group, you cannot fellowship on the internet. I'm sorry, folks. And listen to me. You are not really communicating on Facebook. But we've let those platforms become something we hide behind and say, oh, I'm staying connected. Listen, you cannot stay connected that way. You know what keeps me rooted? is when I come in this place and I see others in this building that I know have been through every kind of hell you can live through, and yet they're here. They're dealing with all kind of physical problems, but they're here. They're having chaos in their home and with their kids, but they're still here. The job they're working on is giving them fits, but they're still here. That does something for me. because. When I come in here, I realize that I'm not fighting a battle all by myself. But there's others that are going through the same thing that I am. And they're experiencing the same things that I am. And when I see that, I'm encouraged. My spirit is lifted because I have come into the fellowship of God's body. Amen. Selfish living. Does away with the fact that you need me and I need you. Amen. It's dangerous and we must avoid it. Fellowship is precious. Fellowship involves obligation. Obligation. Fellowship involves my investment. The nature of fellowship is sharing. Amen. Sharing. Sharing, sharing the goodness of God, sharing the mercies of God. So much comes out of the fellowship that we have with God's people. I will tell you without fail, the best days of my life have been in the house of God the best times that I have ever had have been in a church service when the spirit is poured out and people are being blessed and you see people rejoicing and breaking through and victories won and you see people that are showing up I tell people all the time say, I don't feel like I'm doing anything I said just show up that's a great victory in itself just keep showing up because you're showing up helps me it's not you got a real Realize that, folks. It's not just about, well, nobody will miss me if I don't come tonight. Yes, they will. When I was a kid, I was about five years old, there was a man in our church that I idolized. He didn't know it. I never told him. But I would watch him as he worshiped and i would lift my hands the way he lifted his hands and i watched him when he clapped his hands and i would clap my hands just like he did he didn't know it he had no idea that anybody was watching him one day he didn't come back to church i never knew but i looked around for him because i was looking for that inspiration that I needed, I need need that example. And he wasn't there. And he didn't come back. And to this day, the man does not know that there were two eyes watching everything he did and following him in every move that he made. Listen to me, church. You may think you're a nobody, but there's, there's no such thing as a nobody in the church. There's no such thing as a nobody in the body of Christ. Nobody. I am the body. You are the body. Amen. Don't ever think that you're not being here doesn't matter. It does matter. And I'm not hammering that because it's Wednesday night. I mean because people are looking to you and they're depending on you. And when I see them worshiping God, it inspires me to want to worship. Amen. Sometimes I get so aggravated. Pastoring people sometimes can be so annoying. I'm just being honest with you. They're whining about a a hangnail. And you would think that they were dying. And they just want to go on and on and on about this. And I've had enough. I'm full. (laughs) Because I'm looking right behind them or across the aisle from them. And I'm seeing somebody that's dealing with cancer but they're here worshiping every service they can be. I see somebody over here that's dealing with a family problem, but they keep coming to the house of God. I see somebody else that I know is dealing with some kind of problem on their job and is stressing them and pushing them to the limit. And yet I see them in the altar with their hands raised up. I see praise singers up here that have smiles on their faces and you think they don't have a problem in the world and yet some of them are battling some of the most severe trials of their life, but they're here. That inspires me. That helps me. That's the sharing. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we are vitally important to do in the New Testament church. I've got to shut up. You see, Christianity is not an individual experience. It is not a private experience. It is a fellowship And Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 declares the great truth that you and I need to explore concerning why fellowship is so important and it's so necessary. This is what he wrote. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe be to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There are three principles conveyed in this scripture that help me understand the importance and the necessity of fellowship. Listen to them. And I'm, I've got multiple ones for each point. But he said in that first verse that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Listen to me. Fellowship makes me better. It makes you better. It makes you better. When we fellowship, we reap more benefits when we are together than we would experience when we are alone. We help others succeed. When we understand the necessity of fellowship, we provide the lift that some fallen person needs to help them get back on their feet. I wonder how many people have been helped back on their feet by just being in church. And seeing the presence of God move on other people's lives. And realizing that the God that's moving on them cares for them as well. And they're picked up and they're put back on their feet. I can tell you if it's never happened to anybody else. It's happened to me multiple times in my ministry and in my pastoral experience. There have been times that I have come into this house on the bottom. But when I stepped in and I heard the praise and the worship, and I saw the glow, and the glory on their face, and I realized that the Lord was in this place, it helped put me back on my feet, so that when I walked out of this place, I was ready for what I was facing, and I had the strength to go forward, that's the beauty, and the necessity of our fellowship, and I'm hurrying to close, when we understand fellowship, and its necessity, Fellowship is what keeps the cold out of my life. The cold heart, the cold spirit, the cold shoulder, the cold look, the cold remark. When I am in fellowship, there's a warmth that comes to me. And I push that away and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let that be a part of my life. I'm not going to let that attach itself to me. I'm, I know some of you are wanting me to cut, stop. You're trying to get off the ship right now. There are no dinghies. There are no life rafts on this fellowship. You're stuck until we get to harbor. Amen. When we understand the necessity of fellowship, we understand that we can withstand more together. When we understand that, we can do better when we are together. And we can face the worst when we are together. That's the power and the necessity of worship. Stand with me if you will. A family went one night to a performance, and on the way in, the son decided to stop and get some refreshments and pick up some popcorn for the family. By the time he got into the venue, the lights had been dimmed, and he couldn't find his family. He walked up and down the aisles, and he squinted into the darkness, but he couldn't find any face that he recognized. And finally he stopped and he lifted his voice and he said, does anybody recognize me? <laughs> and I think that even though this is a well-lit place, there are a lot of people that come into this place and the question that's in their mind and in their heart, does anybody see me? Does anybody see me? And when you understand the essential nature of fellowship it will affect your eyes and you'll start looking around. I remember Sister Peden your husband was one of the best I've ever met in my life. There wasn't a service that went by that he didn't scan the congregation to see who was missing, who was new, and he made an effort to reach out to those that were not there and make a connection with those new people. That's what grows a church. Amen. Amen. That's what we have to become more conscious of, that when we really understand how important this fellowship business is, that it's not just about getting, it's about giving. And I always receive more than I give. It's about seeing that there are people who are lost and they're isolated and they're disconnected and they just need somebody to let them know, I see you. I recognize you. Amen. Fellowship. Everybody say it with me. Fellowship. That's what we need is fellowship. Even when it's casual, not just at the Lord's Supper. That's a very special time. But when we're sitting in the family center or we're out in the parking lot and we're sharing tacos, we're doing more than sharing food. We're sharing our lives. Amen. I've learned a lot of great things about some of you sitting at a table like that. And that's what has made my life richer and made my life blessed because of people like you. Amen. Let's highlight the importance of fellowship. I challenge you. Find somebody that's not here tonight and say, hey, you know what? You need to come Wednesday night. We're having an awesome time Wednesday night. You don't want to miss what God's going to do and what we're going to get to experience. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you tonight. I know you have to work with a broken vessel here. And I understand that you are having to speak through a frail vessel. But I pray somehow that something has been said tonight that will echo in the heart of your people. And that we will understand how important it is for our fellowship of one another, our sharing, our contributing, our partnering, our participating, God, how important it is that we get ourselves involved and that we turn our eyes away from ourselves and focus on this wonderful body. And when we do, Lord, when strength begins to flow into the hand, it also flows down to the toe. And when strength begins to flow into the foot, it also flows into the arms and the rest of the body. That no matter where the blessing comes from, because I'm part of the body, it reaches me, it touches me, it helps me. And Lord, tonight I pray that we will gain a new appreciation for the wonderful joy that we have when we fellowship one with another. Your blessings, Lord, are what we ask for upon this place and upon every heart. And we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do and who you are and what you have made us to be. We thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him a little praise. Praise God. Don't forget to turn in your your your. Boarding pass. Amen. Turn it in. You never know what you may win. Praise God.